<laughs> it dried out on your way to drying out? A little bit. A little bit. I'm sitting in a, in a wet cushion. I'm so sorry. With some wet breeches and then some wet drawers underneath my breeches. I was trying to do a physical demonstration of how annoying sometimes doing stand-up can be, and I spilled some water into John's crotch. You gesticulated some water right yeah, onto me. which I feel like is the beginning of a point. I feel mm-hmm. like that's how it, it starts. It could be. It's like, oh, let me... It would have to be something that's like, not water, it would have to be wine or something that's going to set if we don't <laughs> yeah, get those get off of you. get this out quickly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, let's get those pants off of you. Yeah. Never has happened. <laughs> <laughs> I used to drag here back in high school. That railroad crossing up there is exactly a quarter mile away from here. On green, I'm going for it. I'm John. I'm Ron. I'm Steve. And this is Movie Schmovie. This is Movie Schmovie. A long time coming, I would say, this episode is. Because Absolutely. we're about to talk about the, the Fast and the Furious films. And it's sort of I sort of feel like this is the franchise that I've been running from this entire time that I've been doing the podcast with you really? guys. That when that I've known it it's only gotten bigger. Oh, sure, sure. Since those however five years ago. Um and I'm usually sort of in touch. Like, this podcast has caused me to see a lot more movies, yeah. just in general, that I might not have sought out. And I've sort of, uh, I would say I've, I've broadened my tastes a little bit to sometimes more mainstream fare or just bigger action fare, anything kind of crowd-pleasing. I feel like mm. I've enjoyed more of those types of films in the last few years. So it's a little bit strange that I haven't seen a single frame, except for what was in the trailers, of this entire series, and when it gets to the eighth film in the series, and you guys have seen them all, and you guys have talked about many of them on the show, yeah, it seems a little odd for me to be sitting over here as this this lone holdout. Mm-hmm. So, so that's what this episode and its its uh, twin, which will be the the next episode. That's what they're all about. Is kind of bookending. Uh, this episode is about the first four films in the series, and the next one will be about the the most recent four films in the series. But so yeah, what what does it mean to you as someone who's followed the the movies all along? I think Ronald, have you seen all of them like when they were new in the yeah, theater? Yeah, I saw them all in the theater. Uh, it's the Star Wars of car movies, mm-hmm. I, I, and uh, I don't, you know, they they've gotten they've gone from racing to a question mark, like you know what I mean. But they've all they've all been fun. I think they all have something decent to take away from each one, mm-hmm. um, and it's always been one of those franchise sequels that I've always looked forward to and has delivered on a lot of levels. So mm-hmm. uh, it means a lot. What about you, Steve? What are your general feelings on the... I like them. Have you seen all of them to in the theater? To be a general, yeah, yeah. I, I have seen them all in the theater. Uh, <laughs> I feel like initially, like, I approached Fast and the Furious as the original one from, what, 20, 2011, 2001? Yes. Um, literally because I love Point Break, and it's pretty much Point Break. You know, in terms of like, you know, the cop going undercover, yeah, kind of relating to the, the the suspect, and you know, kind of becoming a part of this world and the family and everything. You think that was the original idea to like Point Break on steroids? You think? That's I mean, what... if you like a lot of things you read about, a lot of people compare Point Break to. I don't right, know right. if that was a discussion, but I wouldn't put it past <laughs> it. I mean, it seems like an appropriate thing for like a Hollywood, mm-hmm. like a round table, just like you know what, let's do Point Break, but like with race cars. Yeah, because in the early two thousands, like. The race car scene was like Oof. the drag and like the muscle cars and the imports. Like they were like, yeah, I mean, huge. it still is a very relevant thing. But I can remember being of eight, you know, of eighteen, nineteen years old then, and transitioning from high school to college, and like yeah. everybody had nice cars, or not me, but a lot of people had nice cars. I had an old muscle car that uh, was had to go because I couldn't afford to keep it. <laughs> but you know, so then it was easy to watch these guys with these awesome cars, and yeah. you know, the the narrative of, of the Point Break film, yeah. Was I mean it's very very similar I mean but but since then the point being for me it was like I was really into it and then I wasn't into it at all yeah like with the the first two sequels 
And then I feel like it kind of took a turn for me when they kind of reapproached the series with the fourth one. And um, I think from there it really has, while the series is kind of, and I'm sure we'll get into all this, has like kind of pivoted from the kind of movies they are. Yeah. Um, but there's something about like the embracing that it's done of like how kind of silly and fun they are. Yeah. That I, I, I've bought into that. And like I completely will see the movies as they continue to come out however many there are but um so yeah that was a long answer for um, no, no no i'm into it yeah it's it's eight movies we're talking yeah. about so there's plenty yeah. to say um so you care about cars you like I, cars I, you don't care about i mean cars. i i can recognize models of cars but okay. i don't know the inside and outs but okay so related to all this stuff the the racing and stuff i want to like point that. something out of the way Sure. Watch your drink. I know. I don't <laughs> want to slap you're, 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 I know. I'm like, that right hand, hand is active yeah. tonight. I know, man. Uh, so another thing that helped my like liking of cars was the Need for Speed uh, video game mm-hmm. franchise, mm-hmm. which also kind of played into the street racing thing, which informed some of the Fast and the Furious movies as well. It was like all the stuff that was the synergy between all forms of media and race car stuff but i don't really know a lot about i don't know about the engine stuff but i could recognize the super i can recognize uh some of the cars that they put in the movie and yeah. understood why they were so special and why people go <gasps> when they come on screen so um yeah i, I don't know it's you follow cool. that a little bit i follow it loosely yeah loosely do you and you you i mean like i'm not a gearhead yeah. by any means yeah. like I'm, I'm i like i'm not as i'm much more into like the Toretto side of the cars, like the muscle cars, mm. than the imports, personally. But I, I followed it enough. I had friends that were into it in high school. So you're more of a Toretto than an O'Connor kind I, of I would, guy. I would say um, by car <laughs> choice, yes. Uh, I, was like, I don't know. Like Growing up, my dad always talked about all the old muscle cars because he, he used to be super into that. Right. And like, I've seen all the pictures of the cars he loved. And like, you know, that part of the car muscle car thing would always be interesting to me i never like got into it in terms of working on my own cars or like yeah. collecting them or refurbing them or anything like that but um i definitely was around people that did mm-hmm. and i get and i and I, I feel like at that time when the first one came out like the how it connected i felt like was that it was like definitely a time where like this like crossing of like anniversary editions of like traditional muscle cars like the Camaros and the Mustangs were coming out mm. and the import uh, market of cars, especially by the time the, the second sequel came out was like at an all time high. So I, I get like, I, I, I didn't connect it in that way myself, but I can see like the fan base that's into it because of that stuff. Mm-hmm. It was like a perfect storm Definitely. of like the car world. Can I ask you guys a question in terms of life philosophy? Do you guys individually live your lives a quarter of a mile at a time? I don't know if I can talk about my life in the broader sense, but we are definitely going to talk about this film series a quarter of a podcast at a time. Gotcha. Okay. It, sounds I mean, it actually does work out. The math works out. <laughs> okay, cool. I, I think caring about cars would help to enjoy these films. <laughs> yeah. And I also think seeing them on the big screen would help yeah. to enjoy yeah. these films. Because yeah, I see that. Um, listeners should know, although by the time we get to the end of the next episode, I will have seen... Uh, the the eighth film, mm. which I will get to see on a big screen, so I'll get to have the full adrenaline rush. I feel like what I've gotten throughout these movies is I get a taste of what it is that people are so into. My yeah. general sense would be these, this series is not for me, but I I totally could see throughout the movies what it is that people are charmed by and like what sure. it, like again if I was really into cars and if car chases didn't kind of cause me to sort of glaze over just a little bit, you know. Yeah. Um, then I could totally see that being a thing that would make this, as you said, the Star Wars, because it is a series yeah. that has... I mean, so often what's missing from sort of non-fantastical action films is a lack of mythology yeah, and a, sure. a lack Definitely. of history. And I think this series, in whatever crazy way that it has done it, has developed a, a history with these characters, even taking certain risks by not having... a Really, when, with the films we're talking about in this episode, the first four, really not a consistent theme of what this series is. The first yeah. movie has a certain uh, sort of venue and a certain story that it tells, and the second one does away with all but one of those characters, and then the third one does away with all of those characters, yeah. and then but the fourth one is back to the sort of the setting of the first movie right. in a lot of ways. 
So I think that uh, when people talk about the fifth movie, that pivot you were mentioning, Steve, it really is, that's when it became like the Avengers of its own series. We're going to get a team together. And it became like a heist film and a heist series. So it is different. I think what they were trying to do in the first four films was a little bit more sincere in a strange way, a little bit less self-aware, and a little bit less like trying to top itself and a a little bit more small-scale human stories. And even though I didn't care that much about the car culture part of it, I did get sucked into some of the sort of, I don't know, just the sort of personality-based storytelling of yeah. some of those films. So I guess we'll get into talking about the individual films uh, now so that we we can kind of start bridging that gap. But um, I wanted to hear your general feelings because I do think that we are talking about a franchise that's been going, as you said, Steve, since 2001. And it has... Outside of, I think, Tokyo Drift, the third one, I think that was a dip in box office. But I think outside of that, it's been sort of a a steady climb. Yeah. And I think at this point, Vin Diesel sort of views it as his his accomplishment. Oh, I mean, totally. he you know he's tried that with Riddick, and that has never quite bubbled over into a really successful series. And Triple X, too. Triple X also has kind of... I mean, I'm sure that those movies have made money, but... Yeah. But they haven't gotten people excited the way this series has. What what has really become is a way for him to leverage getting those other movies made. Yeah. Right? Like sequels to those films right. or being able to go back to those films or to make like whatever that one was, like The Last Witch Hunter or whatever that he had. Yeah. Terrible. Like like literally this is like his I'm Ben Diesel, this is my <laughs> series, like let me make my sequel to Pitch yeah. Black. Right. That's you know, his or currency. whatever. So, like literally, like yeah. I if you read about some of the casting issues like where why he wasn't in two or like how they got him to come back for something in three or whatever mm-hmm. a lot of it was about like him being able to leverage getting this film made or getting that film made or the chronicles of riddick getting that made was like why he came back for the little tag in part yeah. three you know mm-hmm. it's like that that's like crazy that like this is literally if you if you look across what he's been successful with film wise yeah. i mean maybe save being involved with guardians of the galaxy it's um, it's really all about the Fast and the Furious franchise. Yeah, I mean, that's really all it is. The only movie series I've ever seen in my life that has applause breaks built into it. Very, very <laughs> well <laughs> thought out. Though. Literally, I've never seen anything that just has like big chunks where nothing is happening dialogue wise. Yeah. Nothing's happening sound wise besides the sound of explosions or cars or something like mm-hmm. that. And you know it's for the crowd. Like, yeah. And then, and, but but I mean, at it this works. point, it I works. probably should have avoided watching them in sort of a spell because by the time I got to the seventh one, my ability to enjoy the sounds of motors revving, I was mm. really getting very very weary. I was just like, oh boy, I want something. I want something else to be happening. Right. It is funny that it is like an action series or a superhero series almost, mm. where everything just has to be done in a car. Where the crux of the drama has to be done in a car, and their, I think their assets yeah. are the vehicles, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that might be why I think the early movies have a certain sort of charm to them because it is like the first one in particular. Let's talk about that one. Fast and the Furious, Ja Rule all one, yeah, yeah, it's our world. Please believe, yeah. It really is a very small story. It is. And it's extremely ground. Yeah. And as kind of cheesy and sort of pumped up, full of that kind of movie machismo as it is, it does keep, it does have a small scope and, and it does something, yeah. like you said, it's a point break riff of, of yeah. sorts. But the whole movie is hinging on the tension of of uh, Brian and, and Don becoming friends and you seeing it's a genuine friendship, but knowing it's got this, this secret. Yeah. at its core, uh, that is going to blow it up. I personally, those types of storylines in movies make me nervous, and it almost prevents me from enjoying it when I'm waiting for the person to find out the, that the other person has been lying to them the whole time. Yeah, Because you know that's got there's going to be a, a consequence of that. Yeah. What I think is interesting is the way they kind of push that consequence forward. It's like it, they keep sort of pushing that off, the idea of these two guys having this rivalry. It's never fully gone from their friendship, even later. Mm-hmm. There's a competition to yeah. them. Thing. But I, I think the simplicity of the first one worked for me. Uh, and I actually, I mean, I was expecting it to be like the first one. I was expecting it to gradually get better. But I would say in the first four, it's almost like it gradually gets worse. Yeah, it does. And then it 
takes a turn at five. Yeah. Uh, you know, whether it gets better for you or, or worse is a it will be up to your taste. Sure. But but like I think the first one has a certain kind of charm and a small scale to it that has a lot to do with those actors and just what they bring to the roles. And there's a reason why. I mean, again, he's not my favorite, but there's there's a reason why Vin Diesel is this bankable star, particularly in this role. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, I, I, I can't quite put my finger on it because I don't think it quite works its magic on me, but I do believe, particularly in the first movie, I believe Dom Toretto vaguely as a character. He becomes more and more of a superhuman yeah. character as the series goes on. But in the first one, I do believe in this idea of like a group of thieves who are also into the street racing and who are doing, like, they've got their fingers in a few different pies and it's not too huge. And they've got this rivalry with this guy, Johnny Tran, who's just like, the, you know, the just movie villain, just nasty guy, <laughs> right. acts like he's leaving and things are cool and then comes back around the corner with a machine gun and shoots your shit up and then drives off. You know, yeah. he's just this asshole who you hate from, from square one, but he's still a tiny kind of, he's a kind of petty villain. There's nothing really grand to Johnny Tran. Yeah. So there's nothing really at stake except for pride and ego and you know you you're you're playing for your slips or whatever but like you're you're going to win or lose a car but there's not a lot of life and death in that first yeah, movie. But there's something about it being so small that makes everything kind of exciting. Like a punch is a punch. Mm-hmm. Somebody dying is it's it's like oh it's devastating yeah. which kind of gets lost in the in the future. Totally. Ones. Yeah. Also um I think there's something to be said about uh, Lee's Jesus Christ. <laughs> Say the fuck away Jesus from my Christ. Phone. Right. My, f- I my phone, phone is between my lap, yeah. between my legs. Yeah. Yeah. You want to come get it. Uh, well, that's some water made it there. <laughs> so before we started recording, Ronald spilled water on my phone. He just yeah. basically cast his own phone down on the floor yeah, as though he was fine. mad at it. So it's, it's fine. fine. Okay. Oh, okay. But I was going to say, uh, there's something about in the 90s, there were a ton of people that were kind of tough leads, right? I think there's something to be said about somebody that could fuck you up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, like, people joke about how terrible he is, but it, you couldn't tell Vin Diesel that to his face. And I love people like that. Sure. I love people like The Rock, like Vin Diesel, like Bruce Willis, like mm-hmm. Bruce Willis in his prime. Yeah. No one would tell Bruce Willis that the, the second Die Hard was kind of weird. Well, I wouldn't even now tell him that I think yeah. he's boring now. Yeah. <laughs> There's something. Just keep it to yourself. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you need. I would say it on a podcast that's out it. there for the world to hear. Yeah. But you, yeah, you need these alpha males in this in this world. I wouldn't tell Michelle Rodriguez that she's one no. note, <laughs> no, to her face because she'd kick you in the balls. She probably would, but <laughs> yeah. but she would be one note while she was doing it. <laughs> what about family? That's what she'd say. But yeah, there's something something we said about that kind of lead, and that's why he's so great to people, man. I think at the heart of it. Vin Diesel could beat you up, and there's something really nice about that. Yeah. See, again, I don't, I don't like that aspect of the character, but I believe Dom Toretto as a guy that I would yeah. not like. You know what I mean? Like, I believe this, this, I, 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 the, the movie does not do a good enough job of explaining how they're not just endangering people's lives all the time. You know, and it seems like they're doing it for these kind of petty squabbling reasons. So it was mm-hmm. very hard for me. Anytime it was like, look at some amazing thing they're doing, I was just thinking like, those other people must be <laughs> so pissed <laughs> off. Anyone else on the road? Um, but but I think to me, there's a little bit of a wish fulfillment thing. I think Vin Diesel does a good job playing this guy. I think I think that Dom Toretto is a little full of himself and I think in the first movie he's a guy who's full of himself and I think as the movies go along it gets more full of Dom Toretto so that it ends up being like a how awesome is Dom Toretto like you know what I mean yeah absolutely like if if there's a scene later in one of the films. I don't. I, I well. I guess maybe I might save it for that film. But there's a scene later in one of the films where he kind of co-ops a moment of someone else's like story. That's like just so. These movies are about Dom. You know what I mean? In a sense, like they know. I mean, I'm no offense to Paul Walker, but I think that there's a reason why the series became this huge phenomenon once they got him back in, and it became oh yeah more like the Dom Toretto crew story. And Brian is a little bit more of a tag along. Whereas in the first movie, it really feels like he's the protagonist. And even in the second movie, he is. The, I mean, it feels like it's yeah. going to be a series about him brian's um, language even changes when he I, I think brian is the most malleable character ever he becomes a the person that well, he's how do you think he went undercover dude <laughs> he went deep i know he did he becomes he working at that, at that supply shop or that that part store yeah. you know like, who knows started, how long he was milking that yeah when he's around ludicrous and 
Tyrese has like, "What's up, y'all?" Like he has this thing to his voice. And Does he like, really? I don't remember that. Yeah, I think he, he has, has like a, a weird thing to him. Man. He has a, a a Keanu Reeves problem. Absolutely. Which is that I don't see as a problem. No. Well, yeah. let me maybe, maybe you'll hear what I'm about to okay. say. <laughs> which is that he's a pretty. Maybe good, I'll cover my ears. <laughs> which is that he's a pretty 50, good actor, 50. but he sounds stupid. Like his yeah. voice sounds dumb. Mm-hmm. But he's actually a pretty good actor, and I think that Keanu Reeves grew into that. Where yeah. now it's apparent yeah. to a lot of people that he's actually been a pretty smart guy, making some really interesting career decisions all along, totally. and those. A lot of those times when he was playing, a, oh, he was, you know, that's a performance. Yeah. But he is a little bit that guy. Right, right. And I yeah. think Paul Paul Walker seems to me like a guy who wants to drive cars that are fast. And I mean, sadly, we know that's true. But I, I you wow. know, even if you didn't know about his untimely demise, you would know if, if you read about these films how much he trained and wanted to do as many of his own stunts as possible so there is a bit of a thrill-seeking aspect i don't get the impression that vin diesel ever does anything truly dangerous though i don't know maybe i totally agree with you (laughs) why do i picture that he goes back and he's like got like a a linen robe that he puts on and people are doing his nails it's actually like fur yeah oh yes and i think that might have something to do with why supposedly the rock and vin diesel don't get along i think there's something to that if only we could have been a fly on the wall. <laughs> that's like something I would love. Like, there's few feuds of rumored movie set problems. Right. Like, that's got to be the top of the list I would have loved to witness. Can you imagine? But to get back to what I think you were saying earlier, Ron, I think one of the cool things about this one is really just that, like, when things escalate, they're not escalating past the point of something being, like, realistic. Right. Yes. You know, yeah. like, when a robbery goes bad or somebody pulls a gun out or a street fight opens up. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's the point of escalation right. and that's like, that's like, okay, that could happen. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think, you know, the first couple movies kind of teeter around that. It gets, it gets a little crazier, but um, that's like the kind of the grounded piece of the first one, which is kind of why I still think of like Point Break so much whenever I, like that's like to me, that's a good like double feature for uh, mm-hmm. a Sunday afternoon or whatever. But it's because like, the real crux of the film is is just this relationship, this like, this uh, competition between these two leads who are both like kind of the good guys in some way, yeah. um, that never really goes beyond something that could not maybe have happened. Yeah, you know, like these Definitely. these hotheads, these egos. Mm-hmm. This escalates to this. It doesn't go like way over the left field like the right. other films do. But I think, um, and I mean to the, to the point about Paul Walker, I think. It's you. You nailed it. Like the Point Break reference is not just to say the movie. Like, but that character mm-hmm. Johnny Utah is like the same kind of Brian character. Like they're very similar guys, yeah. and um, almost think- like you get a sense that in their life, that they you know their life as a cop or a fed, they are lacking something. Sure, and they miss something. There's some need that mm. is fed by this other world they dip into because right. it's really apparent right away that Brian is. That he likes, he's like dumb. firing up for something, yeah. like something's yeah. getting him excited, and yeah, it's it's um, that that first racing scene between them, the two of them, mm-hmm. I think kind of like sets the course for their whole like arc throughout the series up until yeah. he, he you know he unfortunately passes away, but um, just in the sense that like there is this like really intense competition, and even when you know Dom's character is about to win this race, like Brian is willing to really like possibly kill himself with what he does with his car to, to even have a, a, a chance to possibly still win this race. I think that when they come back together later in the franchise, like that really, and even for the first film, it, it really sets this tone and it's, we laughed about it when we started the recording before maybe, but like this, this theme of family mm-hmm. through the series, like yeah. it becomes laughable, you know, it doesn't this, start right away though. In the first film, he actually says, in the famous I live my life a quarter right. mile at a time, he says nothing else matters, not the mortgage, not the store, not my team and all their bullshit. So mm. in the first movie, Dom is not referring to them even as a family. Right. It's interesting knowing that was coming to sort of see that creeping in because yeah. by the time you get to the fifth or sixth film, everybody's just throwing the word family in, like peppering their speech with it. Like, yeah. oh, that's not what family does to I think family. it was Brian that took down to realize what family was. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe wow, Steve. Put that out there, guys. <laughs> a little bit of a spoiler it for changed him. next episode. Um, <laughs> Excuse me. But yeah, no, no, no. I, I think that you're right, though. The fact that it's it's a, you know, that the friendship is at the core of what yeah, makes totally. it work. And it is the charm of these actors, even as someone who didn't care about the cars and gen- like generally doesn't have a lot of affection for these sort of 
isn't he cool type characters. Like, because yeah. yeah. Dom Toretto is a wish fulfillment cool guy character. Totally. Um, but what really got to me was the some of the funny. There's some really great like hard boiled dialogue in these movies <laughs> that is just hilariously. I, I, I did the same guy write most of them. Chris Morgan wrote most yes. of them. I think the first one was written by Gary Stephen Johnson or something. Directed but it, I know. Um, the guy who gets a credit on every subsequent film as creating the characters, but I think they're mostly written by Chris Morgan, yeah. who now almost seems like he's the auteur of this series because he's written the ones that even Justin Lin didn't direct. So it yes. almost seems like Chris Morgan is now the kind of the the guy who's guiding this thing. Driving well, Chris it. Morgan has a knack for these like I don't know if it's a it's a combination knack. They cast these charming actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, who can do interesting things with with lines, you know? And then they write some of these almost impossible wow. to say. David Ayer has a writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Out. I knew it was somebody. Wow, wow. I knew it was somebody. And Gary Scott Thompson. Gary Scott Thompson. Yes, he's the guy who I think originated the story. Wow. But so he, here's a few of my favorite. I don't know if you guys remember any particular favorite lines, but these, <laughs> it's so fresh for me. Um, what was this? Uh, uh, when uh, I believe this is when Brian is back at the office talking to the FBI. And they're kind of dangling a detective badge over him uh, if he does this mission. And he says he needs more time. And one of his handlers says, you want time? Find a magazine. We don't have time. <laughs> so many of the lines are like that, where really all you need is, you need time? Find a magazine. Yeah. But they have like a beat, and then, we don't have time. They want to make sure you get the, the thing. But I think that, I mean, what they've done that's smart, and it gets even more so in the later films, is mm-hmm. they've cast these actors who can say this stuff and make it work like yeah. later we get Dwayne Johnson later we get Kurt Russell guys who can really milk the corniness of a of like a badly written line and I somehow make Tyrese out of this and some well we're we're go, we're going to get to no. we're about to get to Tyrese Steve the rise of Tyrese <laughs> in the series <laughs> but um you're there, right though but there is something very overwrought about it and it really is down to it works because some. Of, I mean, again, like I said, Paul Walker is better than I thought he was. Like he mm-hmm. carries these films to some extent. There's a there's something to it. I I will kind of credit this show, doing this show with you guys, getting me to watch more kind of mainstream action films and getting excited about just the craft of them. Yeah. And I think this movie does an interesting thing. I think it's interesting to think that for some folks, maybe this early entry would be the least interesting because it's so about just the car culture. Yeah. But even not caring about cars, I thought this movie did a good job of of explaining the stakes and of making those races feel like there was a lot at stake. And yeah. then they create some characters who feel just, just doomed anyway, like Jesse. Yeah. That guy who just from the first second he's on screen is something awkward and a little bit annoying about him. And no. later when he's like impulsively like, I'm going to jump in the race with my dad's car and I'm betting it. And you're going up against it. And we know it's like nobody watching the film thinks, oh, Jesse's going to beat Johnny Tran right. in the race two thirds into the film. He's like, that's, oh, no. That's the guy, oh. Right? Exactly. oh, no. <laughs> and when, then when he's like later, it was so funny to me that like Dom is standing there and, he, and I think uh, Brian's trying to stop Dom from going off on a on a vendetta, you know. And Dom's like, I got to find Jesse. And then like before anybody can say anything, he pulls up and gets out of his car and says, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it was just like that was a screenwriting shortcut of like, let's have somebody say, where's Jesse? And yeah. then have him drive up crying <laughs> and then, you know, get gunned down. Spoilers, folks. If you're listening to this and you haven't seen him. Yeah. Um, but anyway. I had, I had a quote for you. Real OK. Quick. I, read a, I found a couple that I, I had written down. The one, the one. It's I guess when Brian's going to the cafe. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's telling Vince or Dom why he keeps coming back, and he says he's coming back for the tuna sandwiches without the crust. Yeah. And Dom says, "What's up with this fool? What is he sandwich crazy?" <laughs> <laughs> See now, okay, maybe I'm wrong because that's that happens. We're definitely going to talk about this with Tyrese, but we'll talk about it with Vin Diesel too. Some of those lines feel like something he came up with on the day that he thought was funny or that he peppered in. So I just yeah. feel like I'm feeling a very Vin Diesel. Whenever he says one of those lines, yeah. I feel a very Vin Diesel-y kind of vibe. Like he's sitting there going, hey, 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 yeah. hey. Ronnie says, the buster, yeah. the buster. It's like, man, where did he get all, where did this dialogue come from? And some of it was just nonsense that I, as a non-car aficionado, I didn't know if lines like, um, uh, uh, just had it so much torque the chassis twisted coming off the line and stuff like that that i was like okay i guess that's cool that sounds weird maybe that's bad okay whatever (laughs) um also you mentioned vince i love characters like that who just exist to be treated like shit 
in a movie, but not so bad that they become like, he never becomes like persona non grata to the point where we're like, oh, we're glad he's dead right, or something right. bad should happen to him. But in that first movie, he's like the guy who's kind of got a girl that he's putting the moves on. And this new guy comes in and starts just fucking his shit all up. And all of his friends are like, cool it, Vince. Yeah. <laughs> like, this guy's good. Yeah, he's cool. I always feel bad for that character. I'm always like, what does that guy have? He seems to really value his like, you know, yeah. his status. And like, he doesn't really have any. Um, and I also wondered, did I miss why he took his helmet off at the end when he's, is, when he's attached to the front of the, of the semi? Right. And he just whips his helmet off. And I'm wondering, did I miss that the glass was cracked in it or some reason that I he would need to you. take it off? Maybe it's just to show that he's a badass. I guess so, but but then he's like getting shot at, so it seems like maybe the helmet could have helped. Right, right. But I have to say, that was pretty gruesome, him being tangled up in that wire and not being able to get off the side. Yeah. I like that they played that. Again, that was like one thing that happened to a guy that became 10 minutes of of stuff yeah. in the movie. I think that that first one... I, I, I enjoyed the pace of the first one. I was actually surprised at how much... Even though I do think it's kind of a, a a meat-headed movie in a lot of ways, I think that that first one does a good job of just laying out the stakes. And the most far-fetched thing that happens in that one is their heist, where they oh yeah, and and you see it go wrong once. You know what I mean? So it's not they're, they're not crazy superhumans yet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, does anyone have anything else to kind of say about the no, the first movie well, before good. we move on? I do think it's interesting that Ja Rule showed up for such a thankless part. Do you know the story about Ja Rule? <laughs> he was supposed to be in another one. And he, he was he supposed to be it. basically Ludacris's character. Yeah. And he said no. Fucked it up. <laughs> he said no. Did he? He did he ask for more money? Yeah. He asked for like thing? a he asked for a crazy amount of money, but he also said it because he knew that they wouldn't give him the money because he had other stuff to do. Oh, really? So it was kind of like, well, they won't give me this much money. Well, I do feel like his one little scene in the first movie, it's kind of funny. That girl yeah. comes up to him and puts his hand on her breast and says, this is yours. Yeah. yeah. But if you win the race, then you also get her. And he points, yeah. points to another girl. Well, he yeah, wins he the race. And then Monica, who made a titty promise, says, you didn't win and walks off. And everyone goes, oh! Yeah. I, I'm, I felt like that was totally on. I mean, I, that's a titty promise. Guys. Yeah, it's a titty promise. But there's a lot of weird stuff with women in these movies, too. Oh, yeah. We'll get into a little bit. But in the first movie, the most egregious thing is that Dom, uh, after winning a race, says to uh, Letty, You're my trophy. <laughs> and kind of lifts her up. It's just a little a little creepy. A little a little hint at the objectification of women. Um, if you drink every time there's an ass shot in one of these films, mm. especially the later ones, you'd be. You'd be it's like Michael Bay levels of like low angle shots of women in skirts. And Why stuff. hasn't Michael Bay made a Fast and Furious movie? Oh my God. That's a he thought would... I had. It's a thought I had. And I don't even, again, he's not even one of my favorites, but it seems like he is made for this series. I think he could do it. I don't like him. I don't he think would he... destroy it. Like, not in a bad way. Yeah. I yeah. think he would be so good for it. It would be so good. It, it would be like... John would hate it, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I liked Pain and Gain, and that also had Dwayne The Rock so Johnson good. in it. Yeah. Okay, so, so so now we're moving on to Too uh, Fast, Too Furious. Too Fast, Too Furious from two thousand three, is it? Yep. Pump it up, you came to get it drunk with a dame or shit it drunk, you came to get it on. More than five holes in your bank to get it on. Roll up like that thing can get it on. Like to fit it on, came to get it on. Um, you made a little face there. You crinkled your nose up. You, you think that's a a bad one? Um, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't a huge fan of it. Um, I think it's a bad movie, but I I have a little bit of warmth for it. But I did, I enjoyed it enough. Yeah, you know what I mean. Eva Mendes being in it. Something about the way that it's made made me nostalgic for old action movies and that kind of mm. Bruckheimer style that are like really well photographed. And yeah. st- like something about like the the golden hour look of it. I guess they shot it down in Miami, so the light That's has the a one p- that Michael Bay should have done particular mm. quality to it. That's the one that John Singleton yeah, directed, I know. which is crazy. That's wild. But, crazy. But I do think John Singleton, and I'm, he's not even a director that I th- I think he's got a pretty spotty track record in terms of quality. Mm. But he's made some interesting films, and I think yes. John Singleton as a guy, I think he. I think he digs like camaraderie and banter. Yeah. And I think that second movie, as crummy as it is in some ways, there's something going on between Tyrese and Paul Walker yeah. that works. Yeah, oh, totally. There's so. some weird chemistry. And half the shit Tyrese is saying, talk about something that the actor may have made up on the day. I really don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he if that's him. But it's it's kind of a funny performance. Yeah. It's kind of annoying in a way, like he is definitely playing 
pardon me for saying this, but he's definitely playing the black guy he in is. the sense that he's he he's making wisecracks and he's yeah. the first one to kind of tell it like it is and to like, you know, and, and there's some stereotypical aspects to that, but yeah. there's also something about that that I thought was like Tyrese is is bringing something real. Like we sort of know this guy. Yeah. It's not that you're supposed to think everything he says is actually funny. Right. You're supposed to know that in the world of the movie, he's a guy who tries to be funny. You yeah. know what I mean? Sure. And there's a fine line there. Like I think later, especially like when he and Ludacris have these interactions, the movie is much more on the side of saying Ludacris is funny or, or Tej is funny. Yeah. Uh, Roman thinks he's really funny. Yeah. Which, which is strange. Which because... is, uh, I should say to people that don't know, Roman is Tyrese's character. Yeah. Uh, Tyrese has like, leading man good looks and he plays this like fumbly sort of guy during yeah. the whole series which is interesting like to the see the butt of a lot of the jokes yeah it's 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 interesting to see that he's okay with cuz he's you know he's been kind of the lead in a lot of action films where he's been a little more serious see i don't know him his other yeah. movies much yeah he's yeah, he kind of plays the same sort of character in a lot of stuff but this one, I think he's a little more silly, and I, I enjoyed some of that stuff. This one, I don't know, man. I I, I don't have a lot to say about it. Dude, would you? Would you? Any anything stuck? I mean, stuck again, I it, I was when I was watching these movies, kind of in a flurry. I mm-hmm. I did. I was still engaged through this one, and it did strike me in many ways as kind of like I said, a sort of a dumb action movie. Mm-hmm. And I mean that like I don't mean like oh, action movies are dumb. I mean like yeah. a pointedly big dumb action movie. But it does have the same thing that the first one has to a certain extent in that there are these particular street races that have a particular meaning to them. And there's a little bit more of an investment in what the street culture is. But it's already starting to blow up a little bit into this other world. I do think there's something about the casting that feels very modern and very, without being particularly multicultural exactly, it just seems to be casting with a... I mean, the closest thing to sort of a blind eye as yeah. far as, like, who's in what type of role. That's why Tyrese being in the sort of stereotypical sort of wisecracker role does feel a little bit like a throwback. Yeah. But again, if that's just him and if that's what he does and if that's what he brings. I, wi- I wish I, I wish I would have remembered this. I know the guy that played Jimmy. and Oh, really? Yeah. He's a, he's a rapper. His name is Jen. He was, like, the new Jesse, sort of. Like, the new kid who's smart yeah. with motors. Yeah. Um, I met him doing stand-up. He's a really nice dude. Um, but yeah, it's part of the franchise. So here's a question I have. Is it racist any time in a movie now when a black guy says, oh, hell no? Yes. Okay. I think so. <laughs> it bothers me. <laughs> it is. It's oh, like... Oh, hell. Oh, hell. Well, there's it's a lot of different ways to say it. You it's know? so many oh, ways. Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. Right. Truck coming. Oh, hell no. <laughs> Things falling down. Oh, oh <laughs> hell no. Gotcha. Yeah. Just every... It's like a... And then Whitney Houston started Hell to the No, which became like a thing for a couple couple years. But yeah, this one was pretty interesting. This is also when they were still in the phase. I guess they do this throughout them, but I think the earlier movies have this where when they when they hit the switch for the Nas, they get this they get this speed racery kind of visual trailing that. effect. And they also a lot of times they'll go in to show you something computer generated happening inside the engine. And I don't yeah. know if I ever was fully aware of what I was supposed to take out of that yeah. either. I just know that here's one thing I've learned from these films, guys. If you are in a street race and it's you think it's time to hit mm-hmm. that NAS, maybe wait. Wait, wait a second. Because yeah. if you hit it, if you're the first one to hit it, someone else is gonna be in their car and yeah. say, Too soon, Buster. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're gonna hit theirs, and you're gonna be like, "Oh, Go! never be the Two first to hit the Nas." God damn it! You okay? Are we? Are we? We're not quite done. I don't think qu- with the second okay. one. I wanted um, to ask you about. Well, we're talking. To, we're talking about these movies. We haven't really mentioned the villains right. yet. What do we think <clears throat> of? We did talk about Johnny Tran. He's not much of a villain. Right. I think this one basically just continues that generic drug yeah. villain. Yeah, you know, it, like, the movies are very generic it? in that sense. It's Verone. It's yeah, uh, Cole Hauser, Cole Hauser yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, which some <laughs> going back and like watching these again, you know, like bits and pieces to remind myself. I love that like the drug cartel chooses these 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 types of street racers in these cars that are not blending in and like hot colors and like <laughs> that's who are going to be like transporting his drugs around right, Miami right. for him. Like, I guess part of it's the idea is, like, it would blend in with all the other street racers, but I just thought that was pretty interesting that... It is. It didn't seem very well thought out if I was a drug 
right. cartel leader. I don't know that I'd be hiring street racers that are probably like targets for cops on an, on an average Wednesday, you know? Bastards. But I don't know. The big, the biggest takeaways from the, from too fast is really, I, I, I think that Paul Walker and Tyrese have a great chemistry together and it plays up in all the other films. I think it just doesn't like, I, I don't think it hits with or compares to mm. the, like, with Vin Diesel. No, it doesn't. Personally. It doesn't. And I think that the lack of that in this film kind of made it feel a little like a little thin to me. And yeah. it really does reside or it does, it does really depend too heavily on the car parts yeah. of, of the movie, the racing, the cars, how they look, the, like the kind of quips, the little comedic relief that Tyrese brings in and, and, uh, ludicrous and, um, I don't know. So yeah, this this is this is one of my least favorite ones. Same. Anything else much to say about that film? No. I want to give it credit for having the silliest ending, where they uh, get around the corner and they it's it's a shot it's like a two shot of Tyrese and and Paul, and Paul Walker and they're talking about having they the feds think they gave them all the money yeah. and they're walking off and then uh, um, Paul Walker says my pockets ain't empty. And uh, and then Tyrese lifts up his shirt, and you see that his pants are stuffed full of money. Yeah. And then they giggle about how much money they have, and they're like smiling, and they walk off frame in either direction. <laughs> so the movie just kind of ends with them like giggling with each other, going ah. <laughs> Tyrese just laughs and laughs throughout the movies, but at the end, it really does end with them like smiling and giggling. And it's also one of the two or three times where. They're, they've just gotten around the corner from whoever it is that they fooled. Mm. And Tyrese is like, ah, ha, ha, I got the money. And they're like, okay, and we still have to believe this is still a world where the feds are not to their car yet. you know. And they turn around and say, wait, wait, oh, so you've got some money there. I think they do the thing where they pretend to give him all the bags, and then he says, no, actually, there's three more bags. And that yeah. makes you think, oh, they were going to hold on to some money, but they didn't. But nope. Nope, they did. They actually did. And that gets you into some of the murky moral waters of what these characters are. Oh, yeah. Like, are they are they thieves? Are they heroes? Oh, they're thieves. They're thieves, At for first, sure. At first, I feel like they're definitively thieves. Yeah, it's like the, uh, no, like... It's like the evolution of Brian towards being a thief, more yeah. so than them becoming cops or whatever. But, all right. So that's Too Fast, Too Furious. We can also get into the naming conventions of these movies. This is a weird series as far as that. What do you think is the origin of that? Do we know any... We Do we know why they... Uh, chose some of them why they went with like an odd yeah. like it's not fast and the furious one two three or it's it's not like a consistent thing you know i have no clue i think it does gives it, it does make the names of them it's a lot marketing. more exciting yeah it makes it's them a lot more exciting because if you went fast and furious one two three four you know having them have names like have you ever looked up what the uh the japanese names i love looking up some have names. you read these no no let no. me just read them all at once Please just do. i don't want to bring it up again <laughs> Just talking about the names. So the Japanese name for the first film is called Wild Speed. Okay. So so these are in order. Sequel one. Wild Speed times two. X2. Okay. The Tokyo Drift. Wild Speed X3. Tokyo Drift. <laughs> Fast and the Furious. Or Fast and Furious. Wild Speed Max. Fast and Fast Five, Wild Speed Mega Max. Fast and Furious Six, Wild Speed Euro Mission. Fast and Furious Seven, Wild Speed Sky Mission. Oh. And uh, I don't even know what the eighth one was called, but oh, yeah, oh, Wild Speed, Wild Speed Icebreak. Wow. <laughs> now I've seen the trailer. There is a giant submarine it breaking up through the speed. ice. Yes. And, yeah, I mean, and it does. The, the fifth is is in the sky, or in Europe. Yeah, the, the sixth is in the sky. Yeah, they're literal. I mean, they're it, literal it's like what title. is the what is the uh, the big stunt piece of yeah. the film? <laughs> that mission is the name of the Japanese title. <laughs> the they were at least consistent, where they're all just like wild speed something. Right, right. You know? The thing wild I love speed. about wild speed icebreak is that's also my favorite gum. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yes. Missed miss marketing opportunity. Yeah, wild here. speed. <clears throat> okay, I so like on, on to Tokyo Drift. It's time to land the Barracuda! Which I think is the artsy. The artsy one out of the... Well, this is Justin Lin's first movie yeah. in the franchise, and it's his first of five that he directed? I think four. 
think he did four because James Wan took over. Oh, that's right. For, for seven. seven. Yeah. Yeah. So Justin Lin, I don't know what he did before this, but I know him as the Fast and Furious guy. Most mm. people. And then he yeah. went on to do Star Trek uh, Beyond, which I really liked. So good. So good. Very competent. I mean, I don't mean that sounds like a slam, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. A really solid yeah. Star Trek movie. Like when Definitely. you see Star Trek Beyond, it just makes you believe, oh, they could just keep making Star Trek movies. They could make five yeah. more like this that are just yeah. a story without yeah. it having to be a reinvention or a crazy mythological twist on something from the past. But um, yeah, no, I, I think that there's a confidence to this movie. And I, this is one that I do think the action sequences, they get away from the Nas Vision speed racer lines in this a little bit. And right. I think after that, there, it doesn't come up in any of the later films. I wonder if there was an attempt made to, to make it more, feel more grounded, at least in the driving scenes. But but I, I will say this is one that I think suffered for me for not having seen it on a big screen because it really did feel like a setback having to learn new characters that didn't really stand up to the other characters to me. Like, nothing is as iconic about this. Sean, is that his name? Yeah, Sean Boswell. Mm. And I don't know that I think that Lucas Black is that good you don't buy of an it. actor? He's not good. He's it's, not good. You don't I mean, buy I know it. that's his real accent, but it comes off as just sort of lazy acting, sort of. Yeah. And then I think that Han, who later turns out to be a character that we have a certain amount of warmth for. I don't yeah. know that he gets a lot to do that's really interesting in this movie. He is maybe the best thing about the movie, but that's it's just kind of an odd entry. I mean, it's almost odd to me that this film is in the series at all. Like It is. When you think about what the series is and how big it gets and how much it's about the family and the characters and all that stuff, that this movie is a sidestep, which we later find out is a flash forward into the future of the series. We'll talk about the timeline <laughs> in our next it. episode. <laughs> yeah. Wait for it. But at the time, it just kind of seemed like a sidestep into another character, another another world. I think the chase scenes are effectively done. I just feel like the story... To me, this movie was very boring on a narrative level. Yeah. I don't think that drifting is as interesting cinematically as like citywide no. chasing, you know? The, Watching the, guys spin around in a parking lot is like... I, I can understand what's going on, but it's not as interesting to look yeah. at. Not as much as seeing them drop, you know, jump drawbridges and that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's, I mean, I guess they try to make it seem like... The stakes are high. The, they, they really try to paint the picture of how tight some of these spaces are. So they do a good job of filming that. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the only ones where, like, loneliness is, like, a theme. Yeah. And that that's why I said artsy out of all of them, because it, it was, like, he's lonely as fuck in Tokyo, and ba- he's with Bow Wow. Uh, with, yeah. <laughs> with Bow Wow. Um, Named Twinkie. Nicknamed Twink. I just yeah. feel like that wouldn't happen if you were making that movie now. You wouldn't no, have a no, <laughs> you wouldn't would, have a character would. named Twink unless you were making a point yeah. about calling him Twink. Um, I thought you know if the first movie was a riff on Point Break, this movie is a riff on Karate Kid. It's a little <laughs> bit of a of a switcheroo yeah. as far as the cultural thing, but it's all about this. It's like I, I was realizing if the fact that this movie is called Tokyo Drift, right? Mm. And in the movie, it's all about a guy in Tokyo who learns to drift. Yeah. It would be like if Karate Kid was called Crane Kick. You know, because it's all about this one move that's yeah. going to save the day, and he finally learns to do it, and yeah. there you go. It reminded me so much of that because it is just sort of a trick. But you know, when he's, you know, when he beats Morimoto, when he beats DK's right hand <laughs> man, I'll tell you what, you knew that uh, he he was ready to take on the big dogs there. It's and, a big goddamn deal. But um, I don't know. This movie just felt like it was trying to get into a little bit deeper with like the idea that the the villain is the nephew of a crime boss. Right. I don't know that it went in depth enough into what those stakes would really be. I still am kind of taking it on faith that this car culture is a viable, believable thing that it's so life or death. But this one just didn't have a lot of that just didn't have that chemistry or that warmth. Like I don't no. think that Bow Wow and Lucas Black had the Complete, same chemistry as Paul Walker and either Tyrese or yeah, Vin. The so. only thing that really stands out to me is the introduction of Han. Yeah. And actually the opening race scene is actually I think pretty impressive yeah. only because it's like completely practical like there's no effects with it at all yeah. and um, which I think is uh, now looking back you realize I mean even though they still do some practical effects with these cars like that whole scene being shot you know on a on a course with real cars mm-hmm. and you know going through a house you know things like that uh, like you know when he's, I think when he's when he's racing the the, the jock guy at the beginning, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. like that. I think that's actually a pretty impressive scene. Wasn't that guy one of the kids from a Home Improvement? Yeah, um, the blonde-haired one, yeah. the yeah. oldest uh, the Taylor one. son. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I don't know. Like this one, this one is for sure my least favorite. Some yeah. fans of the series like really kind of defend it and and kind of stand up for it. Um, I wrote down. Um, this is making me nostalgic for the days before movie schmovie when I didn't watch so many movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's something missing from it. Like it really, like you said earlier, like it's the first kind of dip in the whole box office feel for it because. You don't have the likable characters, even though they go for like the, the that that grab at the end of the film with the brief appearance from Dom. Um, Did they know what they were doing with the timeline at that point? And you alluded earlier to why why Vin Diesel wasn't a part of the second one, why he came back for this one. Could you maybe shed a little light on that? So, so the, the involvement with this one to to come in and do the little tag at the end of the film when he's when Sean's about to race this new guy on the street and ends up being Dom. That was agreed to. So that Vin would be able to do the sequel to the Riddick films. I wow. guess the Chronicles of Riddick. Right, right. Um, that was his agreement. And that kind of reopened the whole conversation about him coming back in for Fast and Furious. And kind of, I think that's where the course correction happened in terms of trying to get the the core of what made the films better. Maybe not like what these films truly were. Because right. like, with those three, you didn't really know for sure. Like... You know, Brian was in one by himself, and it didn't. It was not as good. You know, so like recapturing something was, you know, the kind of lead into to Fast and Furious. But this is what I was talking about earlier. It's just like the idea that they realized that what it's almost like they knew that this film was not going to be enough to keep this franchise going. Right. So like, how do we ensure that? Well, we let him go make some sci-fi movie that he he thinks is really important or whatever. Um. As long as he says yes to this, and that was his agreement, it was like I'll yeah. do this tag, and then I'll be in Fast and Furious. Best decision he's ever made. Yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? Oh like, God. dude, like you basically write checks now for anything you want. Like yes. you can get anything made. You know, for the reality of like you have arguably one of, if not the biggest franchises of God knows how long. I mean, yeah. it's insane. We'll talk about that next time when we start sure. talking about the real the sort of films, the yeah. sort of like box office juggernaut phase yeah. of the franchise. Mm. But it is it is interesting to maybe note like what it is about this franchise that has reached that broader audience and what it is that sets it apart from other like huge record breaking movies like the Beauty and the Beast that had a big opening weekend, yeah. like Star Wars, <laughs> like the Marvel films. This right. movie has has a broader appeal. And in some ways, it's easy to see, but I still think that merits a little bit of yeah. analysis. In general, I could have imagined that the main reason to see this movie would be to see the bright colors and the race scenes on the big screen. Uh, you know, watching it on my iPad or watching it on my television, it kind of lost a little bit of that mm. of that grandeur. And so it really did become kind of like a movie with no characters in it, a movie with no stars in it, you know. Yeah. So they brought him back. I think the name Fast and Furious actually makes sense for Part 4, even though it's one of the stupidest ones, because it really is just as though they're saying, we're back to the first one. Yeah. yeah. So I think that name makes sense. But it is like very confusing when you're when you're looking at a list of the names to be yeah. like, wait, after Tokyo Drift, there's just one called Fast and Furious. We've right. taken out the articles. Yeah. Who's the Fast and who's the Furious? Are they not all Fast and right. Furious? Are they both? Steve? Okay. I don't know. I mean, this is this is the deep conversations that this. He, but him not being is... him not being in one of them made it that much more special because it that short came out where he's like driving across the country. Oh, Los Bandeiros. Yeah, or... you remember? Yeah. That? No, I don't know. So, that. so they had this short. Uh, it shows where Dom went after yeah. part one. Mm. Yeah, and it's just him driving. So at this <laughs> point, really they didn't build into his story that he went to Tokyo. I wonder at that point, did they know they were gonna? Do something tricky with the timeline? Do we know anything I, about that? You, I think they did. I think they knew that it was going to be a little crazy. I don't. I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't think so you think because that they I fucked think, up and then they just like. Whoop. I think how they tie in who killed Han Oof, was I very convenient. Yeah. I kind of love that but, though. But, but, yeah. but he's not saying he doesn't like it. He's saying yeah, yeah. It was too convenient. Oh no, no, no! I'm, I'm was, down with it. I it's, think it's, it's just it, crazy and it's awesome. It was too fast, too convenient. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Gotcha. Damn. So, yes, this is uh, it's this first time a director hung around for a second film in the franchise, and it's also written by Chris Morgan. Gotcha. It starts with Dom and Letty with their new crew, uh, or old crew. At this point, I was confused whether it was a flashback or a flash forward, because Han was there. 
but we didn't know it was a flash. I mean, I guess we know Han is dead, so it has to be some kind of a flashback. But, you know, you don't really know where in the timeline we are. I think the way they build towards his story later, it doesn't always, it's like, it's not, it's not subtle at all. Yeah, but no. but they definitely get as much mileage out of that character as they can. Boy, totally. that sounded like a pun, too. <laughs> that really grinds my gears. <laughs> oh, keep it going. Oh, boy. Um, you can get a lot of mileage out of yeah, this. Yeah, I know, exactly. I just said that. <laughs> I'm saying it again. Do we have any more in the tank, Steve? I think there's more mileage left on the tank. <laughs> That's too fast, too furious, fast and furious. Hey, guys, let's pump the brakes on these terrible puns. <laughs> mm. You know what I always say? Bucket seats. Yep. Um, that move was clutch. <laughs> <laughs> let's pop the hood on our discussion of the fourth movie in this series. <laughs> See if we can get it purring like a kitten. No one says that in any of these no films. No one that. says purring like a kitten anymore. I'll tell you one phrase that they say a lot is American muscle. That is a very popular phrase in these movies. American mm. muscle. This was the one where I really noticed that like Vin Diesel, there's times where he just, <laughs> just doesn't bother to enunciate anymore. Yeah. Like if you write phonetically what he actually says, you can tell what he's saying. Absolutely. But it's it's not quite Sylvester Stallone, but it's in that neighborhood of it just is. like like a rumble that comes out. Yeah. Um but you know, those pipes have uh, created Iron Giant and Groot, so those are, are probably my favorite roles of his. Yeah, the good ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have to believe if I met him, I would like him more than I like Dom Toretto. Right. But I think in the for the purpose of this series, having that character come back, you can see the the you can see them evolving what the parameters of the stories will be in this movie. It becomes a little bit more life or death. There's a little bit more of a of a big villain that they're going up against. Yeah. There is a scene where Dom has a shotgun and he shoots a, like a tire, sure. and a car goes flipping. I mean, like something out of Mad Max Fury Road or something. And it's like that's a new thing because thus far, as you said, Ronald, the idea of a gun coming out or someone getting killed has been like a big thing. Yeah. We haven't quite gotten to like the rack up the body count phase of this franchise yet. But this movie definitely has a little bit more of that sort of action movie. It's it's halfway to Bad Boys or something like that in terms right. of the I read a guy talking about this one. He said this is the series uh, John Woo film. Oh, okay. And I think that's pretty accurate. I like, get the, that. The way this, this writer broke it down, he's like, you know, it's like it's got like this uh, this thin line between cop and family. And he's like... An, <laughs> The just like the set, like just the the color palette of the film, like you mm. know the way it looks in, in the South American atmosphere or environment, and in the fact that it ends like has a scene that ends in a church or whatever. <laughs> I was like, that is pretty John Woo checklisty right yeah. there. The stakes are much higher this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think the the interesting thing about this one, I think beyond the gun part, th- there is a scene in this one where I feel like. The f- it's one of the first feelings of like superpowers coming about mm-hmm. in Dominic, yeah, his character. Yeah, are you talking about the. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm I, there. Maybe more than one. Maybe you have another one. I'm thinking of the one where he goes back to L.A. after he f- hears that Letty has been killed. Yeah, and he like goes to the side. Oh of my the god! Crash. He, yes, I have and like that. he like literally. I think he like touches the ground or yeah. like touches the skid marks. He touches the skid mark on the ground and says um, that the. Uh, what does he say? There were brown marks on the concrete, the kind that could have only been caused by nitro meth. Right. There's only one guy in L.A. who sells that. But basically, you're right. In that scene, he's basically like Will Graham yes. on Hannibal, of like being able to go to the scene and have the scene rewind he, around he's him. He's got like this vision of like what happened, and he knows yeah. what happened. He to sees her. the shadowy figure. Yeah, open and fire like he knows what yeah. he has to do now yeah. to avenge her. Yes. There's and like that's fun. like the first step into like oh like. That was probably a part of the agreement of him coming back to the franchise. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm coming back, not only do I get Riddick, but now Dom is like... But I'm like a car whisperer. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what I thought was funny about that scene is... Because I was beginning to think at this point in the franchise. It's like, what is it that I could... Why is it that... You know, I'm on board for a lot of big franchises. And I do think fantastical elements have a lot to do with making these larger-than-life characters right. and these grand things happening make them more... oddly more believable to me because there's a reason for it. Like, this is a world that in the first movie was very grounded and has gotten progressively less so. And so at at this point, they are superheroes, Steve. You're right. This may be the first time that it really starts to feel that way. But I thought to myself, I'm not really into the car thing. I don't know if nitro meth is a real thing. But I do know that 
probably the only difference between this movie and a similar scene probably in Witch Hunter, I didn't see that, but that's another Vin Diesel movie, is that if he were to say there's only one thing that could cause marks like this, if he said dark magic, yeah. it would basically be a, a superhero film. You totally. know what I mean? But totally. the fact that he says nitro meth, you're on the line of going, okay, is that a thing? I guess that could be a thing. Right. Maybe it's something they made up. But um, no, I agree. He's super powered in that way. I have this. I had the same observation that you know that it basically is just like, when did this happen? Like when yeah. did they when yeah. did they describe this? Or what, he like what? he like went away and yeah. this happened. And, and that's and this is also when his his skill set besides him being superhero like is almost like a Swiss Army knife. It's the mm-hmm. beginning of when Dom can go into any situation and be yeah. prepared, mm-hmm. which made me really uncomfortable. But I get I get what's happening. I guess there had to be a conversation where it was like. <laughs> I, I just keep coming back to like the Vin Diesel parts of the conversations because yeah. like I just want to picture like a room where these discussions were happening because it really it really is more so in the next film that we'll talk about but just the point that we just mentioned right. was like there had to be a conversation where it was like where do you see this going you know like what what can we do yeah and you have to believe that like conversations about like Mission Impossible movies yeah like just started filtering into conversations mm-hmm. like. I'm going to be Ethan Hunt and these car movies are now going to be turned into like Mission Impossible movies or like I'm going to be James Bond and these are going to be Bond films. It's some mixture of these things because I I believe it doesn't really get there until five, Mm -hmm. but the hints are here. Yeah. They're like, they're dropping the, 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 the notes right now that like I, but I think at that point they knew where they were, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is when they decided this was the film that he would be kind of starting to give these little notes of like, mm-hmm. wow, like he's got a different skill set now. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're like, yeah. this franchise was going to be a different kind of franchise than what they tried with the first three. Well, they brought him back and they got him doing that. And they must have, with all this kind of behind the scenes stuff you're talking about, there must have been like a sense of like luring him back and getting him signed on. And then it does kind of become the Dom Toretto is the coolest show. Like that's when that kind of bubble of coolness that I'm talking about around him forms, where he, can, totally. like you said, he can go into any situation, any situation. and sort of be like, yeah. and there's not a single actor that gets a line on him that he doesn't come back with one of those lines like, "Are you what are you sandwich, sandwich crazy?" crazy. Yeah. Where it's like, it just is like something silly that again, I feel like only Vin Diesel would be like, yeah, "I can't wait to say this when yeah. that guy's." But it is there is sort of a, uh, I don't know, that kind of hero worship thing. It is weird then when you think about, well, what is this character? He's a car thief who, like, it's weird. You know, I, I, I was having this hard time with in this one with the morality of it. It's like, okay, so the really bad guys are the drug dealers, but the the feds are kind of like bad guys too, but... No, the cartel is the really bad guys. Right. And thank God we have car thieves to take on the drug cartel because the feds are kind of like bad guys. You know, there's it's but yeah. in this movie you don't you still don't quite have like headshots and people being taken out. This still feels like there's a general sense of let's not kill people unless they are they're bad guys, you know. Yeah. But it is starting to become more just broad. The destruction's a little bit more broad. Anyway, it doesn't seem like they quite knew what they were going to do yet, but this really, you're right, Steve, it's sort of a step in that direction. There was a point in this movie where <laughs> you were saying before, uh, maybe we were already recording, about the um, just how much visual storytelling there is going on during the chases and things like that. And there was a point in this movie where I got so confused about the plot that I realized that if if I get confused by something I think is dumb, does that mean I'm dumber than dumb? Then I realized it's not so much that it's confusing if you pay attention to all the dialogue. Yeah. The hard thing yeah. with these films oh, true, true, is true. paying attention through 15 minutes of bullets and crashes and revving sounds yeah. and people looking and then catching that two lines of dialogue that sets up the exposition for the next 15 minutes of the movie. There's a simplicity to the overall storytelling. Yeah. But there will be that incredibly dense exchange where if you don't catch that you will be going wait why are they chasing what's this what's the MacGuffin of this scene um I couldn't tell with this one about the I I don't know if there's any particular action sequences in this one that really stand out the way in the later ones you can really point to a a big moment this one feels like it's it gets bigger but there's not like a particular set piece I think over over the the race through the mountain yeah I mean that's what most people think about but I think the actual the pre-credits I think it's pre-credits scene with Dom and Letty's heist of the gas tanker. Yeah. When they're actually like driving back like in reverse. Yeah. That scene, I mean, that's probably the standout to me. But is backwards driving as like a big move? Is that kind of stupid or is that just cool because it's in this movie? It's it's pretty incredible. I mean, but I mean, I, does anyone, I guess people do that? Does, do people do that when they're, 
you know. I definitely a, do it like when I back down the street to get a parking spot. Yeah, right. right. House. <laughs> How and, fast and do you I go? go I go pretty fast. <laughs> Are you furious? I mean, I'm not furious because like I'm getting a parking spot. <laughs> right. But I'm you definitely just... going fast. It's really hard too. It's it hard as hell. You get to the end of this one, and Dom goes to jail for 25 years, and so the series is over. Oh well. <laughs> but wait. <laughs> Um, no, I thought actually that last scene where they come to save him when he's in the prison uh, uh, bus mm. was kind of like that. That was a moment where I was like, "This, this is kind of dumb, but this is there's something kind of cool sure. about this guy being on the on the on the bus." And they come and they are around him, and they like are doing the trick we've seen them do before, but they don't. You know, the movie ends with it bef- yeah. in motion. Yeah, and um, and uh, D- Vin Diesel gets this. Oh yeah, look on his face when he realizes they're there. Yeah. And I realized the smug, like self-satisfied look on Vin Diesel's face at the end of this movie is like everything to love and hate about this series. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. there is something about that he's so cool and he can get in anywhere that you were talking about. But it also is at this point it is like you've seen this kind of team form up. You get the idea that they're going to spring him is kind of cool. And I also think it's significant at the end of that film that we sort of have seen Brian embrace his criminal side and there's no like angst about it. He's yeah. like happy. He's like joyfully helping his friend escape from prison at the yeah. end, you know? So I think that that is a good point for this episode of movie Schmovie to end, but also for the first sort of chunk of the series to be over. Because when you come back in the next movie, they are much more like larger than life action movie characters. Yeah. It's a little combination of oceans 11 and mission impossible. Yeah. There was a, there was a cartoon in the nineties called James Bond jr. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. And that's what this reminds me of, because it was James Bond, and James Bond had James Bond Jr. had a team yeah. of people that were almost as skilled as James mm-hmm. Bond Jr., but yeah, not quite. And maybe maybe Chris Morgan watched a lot of that show. Maybe <laughs> Vin Diesel was James Bond Jr. A couple of notes about this movie before we end this episode. I, I noticed there's a fucking Spanish guitar music on the soundtrack whenever Dom gets romantic, and <laughs> it started yes. to really annoy me. <laughs> yes. Also, whenever lot, there's like a, a tender lot. scene, it's like yeah. you get Spanish guitar. Um, I also uh, that guy that killed Letty, oh, or who who thought he killed Letty, or yeah. we thought he killed Letty. But in this movie, it's, it seems clear that he did <laughs> kill Letty. He really lays it on thick with Dom when they're having a face off, right. and he says, um, "Remember her face? Cause I don't. Last time I saw it, it was burning." <laughs> It's just like wow. It's like I wonder shit. if we're supposed to think this guy is a nice guy or kind of a bad guy. Are right, we supposed right. to enjoy it later when he? I'm gets not killed? sure. Yeah, <laughs> supposed to enjoy that death. It's like clap because there's an applause break for that too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Applause break. Oh, there's an applause break. I think Dom <laughs> says something like, "I'm I'm totally going to enjoy what happens next" or something like that. Yeah. But what's also funny is later in that scene, Dom gets shot, and the way that Vin Diesel plays this moment of getting shot, he turns around with this look on his face like. You know, like in the Back to the Future movies, that you're not supposed to call Marty McFly a coward? Yeah. The way he turns around is like, if there's one thing I don't like, it's getting shot. <laughs> it's just this, like... I love the evolution of your Vin Diesel voice. Yeah, I like it. I'm just, like it. I'm tracking it right now in my if you, mind. If you layered them all we together... We gotta get a super cut of this. Uh, that one was a little Barney Rubble. Yeah. If yeah. there's one thing yeah, I don't like, like it's... Or Yogi Bear. Yeah, Yogi Bear. I thought it was a little Yogi Bear-ish. Oh, hey, boo-boo. <laughs> Do not shoot me. Hey, boo-boo. If there's one thing I don't like... Is getting shot. <laughs> That's exactly Vin I like Diesel. It. I like uh, it a casting. lot. Casting. I missed that opportunity with the Yogi Bear I know, movies. man. So uh, yeah, that, that's part one. Yep. Ending part one. <laughs> we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna wait too long to put out the second half of this. No, we're gonna just. Uh, it'll be really quick. Probably this week. Yes. Yeah. We're gonna so, get it out so, to you soon. So you'll get it, and you can. I know you're anxiously awaiting our thoughts on five through eight. Mm. Uh, but while you're waiting for that movieshmovie.com you can subscribe through iTunes whatever your favorite place to find a podcast we're likely there um, but iTunes is always the the backup if you uh, aren't sure and if you use iTunes please star it like it give it a, give us a five star it helps us a lot leave a review do whatever you can to, to help us uh, make more people aware of Movie Movie. but yeah later this week part two of the Fast part and Furious two, where we talk about when it really goes beyond just the sort of bros with cars and turns into yeah. The, as we were saying, this sort of task force with a... It's like this one last job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One yeah. last whatever movie. But yeah, that's later this week. So, as always, we've made our day. Oh, you just came home from doing a bid. Tell me what you gonna do. Act a fool. Somebody broke in and cleaned up.